What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Proverbial Life Podcast. This is a podcast where we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. So, yeah, I <laughs> I tried to do a live through YouTube, and I realized that I had no idea what I was doing. So, I apologize for those who were going to be following me on that link. Yeah, that's not happening. So now I'm on this link. So hopefully someone comes in. Uh, if they don't, I totally get it. Uh, your boy is still being worked on. So <laughs> in this area, I'm a, I'm a working progress. So for those of you who are tuning in, welcome. Thank you for joining. Please do me a favor. And if this is your first time on the channel, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel, like the video, share this recording. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so on patreon.com backslash 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 proverbial life. All right, y'all. So tonight we're going to do something a little different, uh, but something that I hope to continue to do, I think will be encouraging for the body of Christ, something that we can continue to go back to as a source of refreshment and reminder for our souls, because that's what we need, right? We need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded of God's truth, of God's word. We need to be refreshed with the deep and rich truths found in scripture. Our souls need to be reminded of these things. It says in first Peter, I'm writing these things to you to remind you. We need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done and all his marvelous works because he is an amazing God and amazing being in the truest sense, not in the way that we've watered down the phrase, but he is truly amazing. And so Tonight, we're going to take a look at the topic of monergistic regeneration, monergistic regeneration. And so in, at the end of this video, I'm going to have a link for the, not the program, but the um, the document that I'm going to be referring to on this broadcast. And you can find it on monergism.com. And you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll post it up right here. You'll be able to see it with me. You know what? Hold on a second. Let me, let me share my screen with you guys. Uh, and then we're going to get right into the content here. So you can find this at monergism.com and let me share with you what I see. Okay. So this is what I'm working with tonight as far as my notes go, but if you go to monogism.com, I have the link here. And again, that'll be posted below. Um, it's not showing. That's okay. I'll post the link below. That way you'll be able to see what I'm looking at. Um, but it'll it, it's something that will refresh you, something that will encourage you, and just remind you again of God's goodness as pertains to the doctrine of regeneration. All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at the doctrine of regeneration, but we're going to look at this. Uh, we're going to look at some passages of scripture, and we're not going to do a deep dive on the study. We're just going to give you some verses. Obviously, with these verses, there's a context, uh, context that is vitally important so that if we are not giving the context, then we can be misrepresenting the word of God. And so don't think that that is my intention in doing this tonight. What I want to do is just just give you some go-tos for your soul and just some some truths that you can just go back to when you're thinking about the doctrine of regeneration. 
And more specifically, what I want to do is I want us to focus in on the person of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is, uh, I meant to pull this up as well, but let me do so now so that you can follow me. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher and he was the minister at the Westminster Chapel, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he was most known for his passion to preach God's word. Um, you know, let me let me pull him up real quick because I want to I want to read his bio. Um, OK. All right. So let me read you his bio. That way we see the doctor. All right. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, born 1899, died in 1981. That was a year before I was born. Uh, he was a Welsh Protestant minister and a medical doctor who was influenced in the reformed wing of the British evangelical movement in the 19, excuse me, in the 20th century. For almost 30 years, he was the minister of Westminster Chapel in London. So that's just a really brief overview of who Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is. Uh, I would encourage you to just do a Google search and just see, you know, dig around on Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and his preaching ministry and just really become familiar with the ancient paths, right? The ancient voices, those who shoulders we stand on uh, that have paved the way for us uh, as reformed evangelical Christians who preach the truth and want to stand on the authoritative word of God. There have been many men who have gone before us and were faithful in proclaiming the message of the gospel and uh, the message of the doctrines of grace. Uh, so tonight, with no further ado, let's get right into it. We're going to take a look at the monogistic regeneration from church history. More specifically, we're going to be taking a look at Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. All right. So let's get right into it. Let me give you a couple passages to consider as we prepare to hear some quotes from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on the topic of regeneration. So let me give you the first we have here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse six. Listen to what this says. It says, and the Lord, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and, uh, that you may live. So it is the Lord who is taking the initiative to do this work of circumcision so that if the Lord does not do it, it cannot happen. And that is what regeneration is, this awakening, this uh, being born again, right? This awakening of the spirit. It is the work of God. Without the spirit of God doing this work, it cannot happen. And so that is what regeneration is. Let me read you another passage here. This is Ezekiel 36, verse 27, and it says this, and I will, this is God speaking, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So again, notice who's taking the initiative here. Were it not for God putting his spirit in us, and if it were not for God awakening us to obey his statutes, 
it would never happen. It could never be done. And so God is the one who takes the initiative and he awakens us. He causes us to be raised from the grave, as it were, and he gives us his spirit. And now we have a desire and a willingness and uh, you know, a passion to obey and to follow his word and his commands. Let me give you some other passages. This is John chapter 5, verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. So the Father raises the Son, and as a result of that, in the or in like manner rather, so those who are risen from the dead are quickened by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are truths, again, that we can go back to and be refreshed and encouraged by, that God is the one that's doing this, that God is the one that's awakening us, that God is the one that is strengthening us to, to believe, right? Uh, he's the one who's um, making us alive, as it were. Now, there are tons of verses. Let me read several more before we look at some Martin Lloyd-Jones quotes. Um, so here we have, this is classic Romans 9, but let me read you this passage. Again, for those of you who are tuning in, what we're doing tonight is we're just kind of giving, as it were, a shotgun uh, approach to the doctrine of regeneration, uh, defined what, you, what, what regeneration is. It's uh, awakening that God does. It's a raising from the grave. It's a uh, spirit of God speaking and awakening the dead person, uh, you know, making us alive so that we trust in Christ, so that we believe in Christ. And apart from that work of God, it would never happen. It could never take place. Uh, and then we're going to give some verses, which I'm doing now, but then we're also going to read some Martin Lloyd-Jones quotes uh, that are uh, focused in on the topic of regeneration. And as I mentioned earlier, for those who are tuning in, uh, that the passages of Scripture that we're reading obviously have a context. But what I want to do is just read them for the sake of our souls. So this is specifically for people who already believe the doctrine of regeneration, who hold to a reform perspective on this topic. And this is more so of an encouragement, of, an, of a reminder. And I pray, maybe even if you're watching, that God would use this, if you don't know him, to awaken you, to make you alive so that you would see that it is God who does this work of regeneration in us. All right. So let me read this passage in Romans chapter 9, verse 16. Listen to this verse. It says, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Again, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And then we have uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. What have you that you did not receive? And, and so all these verses, again, they have a context. Uh, and you can find this at the link that I'm going to post below at the end of this broadcast. Uh, but you can find this on monergism.com. And it's called Monergistic Regeneration from Church History. And basically what this is, is it's going throughout church history. And it's going through Augustine and uh, you know, Sproul and a lot of the contemporary writers, but then also some of the fathers uh, in the past who 
uh, talked about regeneration. So tonight we're going to focus in on Martin Lloyd-Jones with respect to regeneration. So these are some of the verses that they have outlined at the beginning of this presentation on monogism.com. Again, monogism.com, and this document is called Monogistic Regeneration from Church History. Um, let me read you two more verses, and then we're going to get right into Martin Lloyd-Jones. All right. Uh, let's go to John, a classic verse, John chapter 1, verse 13. Listen to this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, verse 13, who were born. All right, John, how were they born? Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, anyone who truly comes to faith in God is born again because they're born again of God. It is God who awakens the dead man. It is God through the preaching of the word of God who awakens the sinner, who converts the sinner. It is the spirit of God who draws sinners to himself through the preaching of his word. And only those who are regenerate are those who can truly trust in the son. Right. So we must be regenerated. We must be awakened. We must be made alive. And when we are made alive, then we will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. OK, then we have this the, 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 the faith, the saving faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So that's first John chapter. Excuse me. That's John chapter one, verse 13. And again, this is John. But this is chapter three, verses three through five. Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him by night, inquires about the Lord. Who are you? And Jesus says to him, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, he cannot. Or unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here John is referring to Ezekiel 36, where this sprinkling of water is mentioned uh, and, 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 and the, 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 the spirit uh, and, and this renewal that takes place. Again, this is a work of God. Only God can do this. And God is the one who takes the initiative, not man. We reject God. We denounce God. We hate God. We're born in uh, you know, sin and our hearts are desperately wicked and we despise God. And when the spirit of God blows in our direction through the preaching of the gospel, he awakens those whom the father gave to the son. Okay. So he, he makes us alive in Christ, the elect, he makes them alive and they call on the name of the Lord. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. These are glorious truths. I was telling, uh, talking to, to this about my church, talking to my church about this the other day. Um, I was preaching and I said, you know, when it comes to the doctrines of grace or when it comes to regeneration or election or predestination, we tend to use these topics as uh, theological f fighting grounds. But that isn't how they were used in the New Testament. 
you know, when, when the writer, when Paul and James and Peter are writing to the churches who are going through persecution and suffering or, 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 or he, or, or Paul in Ephesians is showing them this transcendent view of heaven and of God, he's using, and they're using these doctrines to encourage the saints who are going through hardship, who are going through trial. Right. So brothers and sisters, you're going through suffering, you're going through hardship, you're going through pain and physical or emotional. You've been called and elected by God. That's a great comfort for believers in times of suffering and times of hardship, because inwardly our bodies are saying we are rejected by God or we feel that way. Outwardly, there may be some form of persecution or rejection from the world, but we have this sure ground and reminder that we are loved by God. And he loved us, right, before eternity passed. And why do we love him? We love him because he first loved us. He set his love upon us. And so these truths are meant to be encouraging to us. All right, let me read a couple uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones quotes here. And uh, you know what? Let me go to the site, and I think I can share them. Um, I think I can share them with you all from this site and and maybe that'll be something that is helpful. Let me let me go there real quick. While while I'm turning there, um do me a favor if you're watching, please make sure that you like this video, please make sure that you are, are subscribed to the channel if you have not yet subscribed. Plan on doing weekly content and uh want you to be notified whenever I do that. And so make sure you hit that notification bell as well so that you are updated every time I make a new video. All right, let's get right into this. I think this will be encouraging for you all. Uh, let me share my screen. All right, boom. Oh, hold on a second. Make sure my audio is on. All right, here we go. All right, so I don't think you can see that, but I'm going to make it bigger. There we go. All right. No, it doesn't help. What if I did? No, that doesn't help. What if I did that? That might be better. Nah, I'm just going to read them to you. All right, I'm just going to read them to you. Sorry. Okay, so um, let me read a couple quotes here. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, the doctrine of regeneration. Listen to this. He says, Grace is no sense contingent upon or dependent upon what man does. So grace in no sense is contingent upon or dependent upon what man does. All right, let that sink in. The grace that we receive from God is not contingent or dependent upon what man does. It is a grace of God freely given by the Lord Jesus Christ to whom he wills. Let me read another quote to you by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, a Christian is the result of the operation of God. Nothing less, nothing more. No man can make himself a Christian. God alone makes Christians. A Christian is one who has been created anew, and there is only one who can create, namely God. It takes the power of God to make a Christian. Come on, y'all. 
he's preaching this at his church. And he's saying, you know, he's saying a Christian is only a Christian by the power of God, by the operation of God, nothing less, nothing more. No one can make himself a Christian. So this idea where people say, well, you know, I'm going to choose God whenever I'm ready. I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to go do me. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to come to God. No, that isn't how it works. Okay. Salvation is of the Lord. So, so if the spirit of God is convicting you of your sin, then repent for today is the day of salvation. Right. If the spirit of God is at work in your heart and you're hearing the preached word and is convicting you and you feel that the spirit of God is drawing you to himself, then repent now. And it is a work of God because some men hear the word of God and they're left unaffected. Other men hear the word of God and they're broken. Why? What is the difference between the two? They're both sinners before God. None of them deserve anything from God. Both of them stand condemned before God, and yet one believes and the other doesn't. It is the solely is the, the sole work of God. That's it. It's only of God. Let me read another quote to you by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says this, In every view of salvation, the place given in it to the glory of God provides the ultimate test, the proof is that scriptural, excuse me, the proof is truly scriptural, is that it gives all the glory to God. So, so in other words, you know, there are different views of salvation, right? People have, uh, well, you know, I believe I put my free will, I have a free will, I believe in God, I come to him when I'm ready, or, or whatever the case is, right? In every view of salvation, the place is given in it to the glory of God, provides the ultimate test. So so is God going to be the the most glorified in your understanding of salvation? Because if he's not, then it's not God's view of salvation, right? Um, if, if man is partially good, if man has something to offer, then that, that that's contrary to what the word of God has to say, right? So, so your view of salvation is, if it be biblical, has to be a view that provides this great and grandiose, this grand picture of God's greatness and God's sovereignty. Okay, uh, it, it is. It has to be a view that brings the most glory to God and not man. See, a lot of people's. They say a lot of people. There are a lot of people whose position brings glory to man and not glory to God. Their understanding of justification is synergistic. It's man and God at work. But the Bible teaches that man's salvation, man's justification, man's regeneration is not synergistic. It's not God and man working together, but it's monogistic, right? It's one. God is the one who's at work. God is the one who's doing it. Salvation, yes, synergistic. It's man and God, right? Paul says, uh, you know, it's, it's um, for, you know, it's Christ at work in me, right? In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so it's, so it's synergistic when it comes to our sanctification, but it's monergistic when it comes to our justification. So very important to, to grasp is humbling. It reminds us that, that we were purchased 
by God, for God, unto God, and it will be a life that is completely submitted to him for all eternity. And and when we see him face to face, our hands and our hearts are lifted high because without him, we could never believe. Without him, we could never continue to believe. And without him, we will never see him face to face. But because of him, because salvation is a work holy of God, we will see him face to face. And we can know him now. And we can know him deeply and intimately now. Let me read some more quotes here. He says this, Martin Lloyd-Jones, No man can believe the gospel in and of himself, because no man can believe the gospel in and of himself. The power of the Spirit of God uh, the po- the power of the spirit alone can lead anyone to belief without it we are spiritually dead and lost and ruined and under the wrath of god let that sink in no man can believe the gospel in and of himself you see a man a preacher a a a, a faithful minister of the gospel uh, an evangelist can go forth and share the word of God. You you can share the word of God with your family members and you can tell them what God says. Mom, dad, brother, sister, this is what God says. This is what the word of God says. And 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 they they will not believe. Right? There are some who, who just who just won't believe. They they don't they don't trust God. They don't love God. They don't know God. And yet those same people, those same people are the ones that God, when he awakens, they flee to Christ. They adore Christ. They love Christ. What's the difference? The difference is God. That is the difference. And so we preach the word of God. We teach the word of God. We call men to flee to Christ and to repent and to trust in him alone. But unless God does the work, it will never happen. It will never happen. And so we must continue to do it, trusting and knowing that God will have a people for himself and we could be confident in that. But at the end of the day, salvation is not a work of man. It is a work of the Lord. So be encouraged. Salvation is of the Lord. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep speaking the truth. That is the means by which God has called us to 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 call men to himself that's the means by which god saves sinners is through the preaching of the word of god but please know that even if your voice is high or low or your energy is high or low sure god can use those different means but ultimately the power is in the word of god the power is in the sword of the spirit and it could take the most uh ignorant and mundane individual that god can use with the sword wielded Right, that double-edged sword that can that that that's sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It is that sword. It is that word of God that the Spirit of God uses to draw His elect to raise them from the dead and to to quicken them to trust to to trust to, tr- to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So preach the word, teach the word. That is the power of God into salvation. Let me read another quote here. He says this, he says, God causes the word, he says, God causes the word of the gospel, 
which is preached to all creatures to come to these people whom he has foreknown with power, the holy, the, the power of the Holy Ghost. So when the word of God is preached and it goes forth, the spirit of God applies the word of God to those whom the father has given the son. Come on, y'all. Come on. See, we don't know who's who. And that is none of, that's none of our business. But what we do know is that God will have a people for himself. What we do know is that we're called to be stewards of the word of God. What we do know is that we're called to be not only hearers of the word, but doers. And God uses all these means, primarily through the preaching of the gospel. He uses all these means to awaken the heart of the elect. To awaken the heart of the elect. Let me read some more verses here um, from the word of God when it comes to this doctrine of regeneration. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Listen to this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive or quickened us with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. Oh, brothers and sisters, we know this to be the case. We've been made alive in Christ for the glory of God. What a blessing. Listen to this. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved of God, or loved by, excuse me, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen us because our gospel came to you not in word, not, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So the, so, so the Spirit of God comes in the power of God through the preaching of God's Word. And, 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 and listen, this is, the, this is what raises the dead. This is what raises the unregenerate, right? This is the very Word that God uses to awaken the dead. It's powerful. Let me go real quick. This is uh, James. I'm preaching through the book of James right now at my church. Listen to this verse. James here, this is an, an, I want to this is important to read. So I want to read this very briefly. This is James chapter 1, okay? So so James here is talking to believers and and what he's getting at, he starts at verse 16. He says, "Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers." And so the 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 deception is that um that they're being tempted and going through hardship. And uh, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trial, th this inward temptation or this lore is to, to blame God, right? Uh, you know, so, so he says, let everyone, uh, let, let, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. And James tells us, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is 
when it when it has been conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death so so brothers verse 16 don't be deceived right don't think that about god why verse 17 because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above okay so god is good is what james is saying but notice what he does here James is saying, verse 17, God is good. Every perfect and every every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, okay? There's a lot there, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good. He's God. He's holy. He provides for his people. And then look at verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so so what James is saying is God is good. He 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 doesn't change and the ultimate picture of his goodness is men's regeneration. Okay? Of his own will he brought us forth. Nothing that we did, nothing that we contributed, nothing that we can add to, right? God of his own will of his own choosing of his own desire quickened us and made us alive in Christ Jesus. So uh, I wanted to read that because I'm in the book of James now and that has been really encouraging to us. So we have these verses here. We're familiar with John chapter five, verse 21. The son gives life to whom he wills. The son gives life to whom he wills. All right, let me read some more Martin Lloyd-Jones quotes here. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this. Uh, he says, if you are clear in your theology and in your doctrine, you will know that no natural man can believe the gospel. So if you expect a natural man to believe the gospel simply because you are putting it to him, you are denying the gospel. You have not understood it yourself. Come on. Come on. You see, you need to have the right theology. And 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 the right theology, our theology needs to stem from the word of God. Right. And when we see what the word of God has to say about the holiness of God, when we see what the word of God has to say about the sinfulness of man, when we see what the word of God has to say about uh, the, the, the holy righteousness of Jesus Christ, when we have a right understanding of what the word of God says in these areas, then we know that it is only the the preaching of God's word that the spirit of God can use to awaken people from their sin. And so we have to have a clear theology. We have to have clear doctrine. No mat no natural man can believe the gospel of himself. No natural man can believe the gospel. And so even for those of you and even myself, we get discouraged when family members don't believe we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying, begging God, pleading with God on behalf of sinners, interceding, right? All those things, speaking the truth in love, proclaiming the truth of, of, of God's word and on and on. And God uses these and God blesses them. He either uses them to soften the sinner's heart or he uses them as a means to harden their hearts. 
right? Because they they are desiring not to love God, not to adore God, not to turn from their sin. But brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, no natural man can choose God. God has to awaken the sinner's heart. And only when that sinner is awakened by the Spirit of God can they truly believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read a couple more verses, a couple more um, quotes here before we close for the evening. I hope this is encouraging for you. If it is, please do me a favor and like this video. If you have not subscribed to the channel yet, please do so. The Proverbial Life is a podcast where we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. All right, let me read you a couple more here. He says this. He says, we can do nothing. It is all of God. It is, uh, if God had not quickened us, we should still be dead. A dead man cannot give himself life. God quickened us. And because God has put new life into us, we are alive in Christ Jesus and in the realm of the spirit. You see that? We can do nothing. It is all of God. And even, even for those of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is all of God, brothers and sisters. It is all of the Lord. Yes, we are to, we are to work as God enables us, as we are strengthened. Uh, 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 we, we need to make sacrifices and discipline ourselves and all these things. Uh, you know, but it is God who enables us. He's the one who enables us before our salvation. He's the one who enables us in our salvation. And he's the one who will glorify us, right? He's the one who will, who will take us up in himself and we will be with him in eternity forever in, 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 in understanding glorification, to be like Christ in its fullness. That is all a work of grace. It is all a work of God. All right, let me read one more quote here and then I'll see if, there's any comments that anyone has or questions they'd like to ask before we close. Let me read one here. He says this last quote. He says, if we hold that we become regenerate because we have already believed, then we have to show why we need to be regenerated at all. The doctrine of regeneration has a great deal to say about election and this doctrine of divine choice. The natural man hates this doctrine more than any other. You hear that? The natural man hates the doctrine of regeneration. And why does he hate the doctrine of regeneration? He hates it because he can do nothing to make himself right. He cannot choose when he will make himself right with God. Men cannot choose when they're going to come to God. Men cannot live their life and decide at some point, I'll decide when I'm good and ready to come to Christ. No, my friends, this is a work of God. This is a work of the Spirit of God. And the natural man hates this. Anytime you tell the natural man that he cannot do something, he despises this. Because he lives to work. He lives to work. But you cannot work yourself right with God. It is a power. It is a power that ex say exceeds the power of men. In fact, we are weak. 
We are frail. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. We can do nothing to make ourselves right with God. It is God who has the power to save. It is God who has the power to awaken the sinner. It is God who has the power to regenerate, to regenerate, to justify, to convert, to awaken, to make alive. Only God can do that. And so this evening, if you're watching and you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you hear these words, maybe you're angered by them or troubled by them, I challenge you to search the scriptures, to see what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say concerning your soul. Romans 3 says that there's no one good, no, not one. All are unrighteous. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. That today is the day of salvation, it says in the book of Isaiah. That we need to flee to Christ, look to Christ, run to Christ, abandon self, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in doing the looking and the believing and the calling and the repenting, that all of that is a work of God by virtue of his spirit through the preaching of his word. And so I pray that God would awaken sinners on this evening. For the saint, I pray that God would encourage you, remind you, and refresh you with these beautiful and glorious truths. The salvation is of the Lord, that he will keep you. The one who elected you and chose you and predestinated you in eternity past is the one who made you alive in Christ Jesus. He's the one who justified you. He's the one who is sanctifying you. He's the one who will glorify you. And he's the one that we will spend eternity with praising. It is all of God. It is all of the Lord. And so be encouraged, beloved. Look to Christ. In spite of your physical weakness, even times of spiritual drought and dark seasons, it is finished. Look to Christ. Trust in Christ. Believe on Christ. Keep looking to Christ. Well, that's all I have for this evening. Thank you for watching. For those of you who tuned in, um, uh, Mark, thank you for joining. Mark asked the question. He says, uh, do a uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, view on the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we'll, we'll see, Mark. That, that'd be really interesting. Um to, to look at that. So thank you for that suggestion. Uh, thank you all for watching. I hope this was a source of encouragement to you again. If you have not subscribed to the channel, please do so. The Proverbial Life podcast, we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. Love y'all. Grace and peace.